Hello Life Changes Church, we are so excited that you clicked on this video. We are in a series called What's It Like? As we look at the parables that Jesus told as he unpacked the kingdom of God for us. So why don't you get ready, sit back, grab a notebook, grab a pen as we get encouraged by this word. My name is Gabe Phillips, if we have not met, and um, I get to be married to the beautiful Fiona and we got two little munchkins. And also get to be a pastor in this amazing church called Life Changes that meets across our city on a Sunday. And it's lovely to see you all this evening. You're all looking good. Give me a wave if you're out there. Give me a wave. Nice, nice, nice. Hello, Tanaka. Nice to see you guys. There are certain phrases that you can just start saying that uh, without skipping a beat, people will be able to finish them without thinking. This, this phrase that you start saying the first half of it, the second half just roll off the tongue. It's, it's like the bard William Shakespeare himself once said, to be or not to be? That is a question. Well done. She's intellectuals on the left. I can see that. Good. Or like there's this sort of phrases, maybe those who are more inclined to the, the Pinterest uh, or Instagram uh, feeds, something that says like this, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Okay, guys, we'll get, we'll get the hang of this. We'll, we'll get the hang of it. It's like uh, as the great poet and philosopher of our time, Bob Marley once sang, don't worry about a thing. Oh, well, a bit pitchy, but it's fine. You guys will get there. Or, or like my personal favorite, one that I've just, a, a phrase that I've built my whole life around that anyone who was born in the 90s will know like the back of their hand, like sands to the hourglass. <laughs> They're phrases that we just know. They're just like so in, intrinsically uh, entwined into our being that we just say the first line of it and we know without even thinking. It's the second half of it flows of our tongue. Like that is a phrase in the Bible that appears over 80 times in the Gospels itself. And it's this phrase that is so loaded with uh, connotation, so loaded with meaning and depth, depth, that we're wanting to unpack it a little bit. There's this phrase that's called, the kingdom of God is like. And there's this, these different uh, ways that Jesus, as he describes the kingdom of God and what it's like, as he completes that phrase, that sentence. But for the, the early Jewish listeners, when Jesus was starting to teach this idea of the kingdom of God in reality that he was bringing to the earth, the people who was listening to his teachings had, could have, would have had a, a certain mindset and expectation of how that phrase would have played out for them. There were people who had been waiting with eager anticipation for millennia, for centuries, for the Messiah to come, who would bring the kingdom of God in fullness. And for them, it was a kingdom that would come in power. It was a kingdom that would come in opposition to their enemies because they had been a, a people who had been enslaved by the Egyptians, set free, then enslaved by the Babylonians, set free, only to be now enslaved by the Romans again and under their oppressive rule. So for them, when the Messiah came, the kingdom of God would be like power coming to set us free from our enemies. There would be this vengeance that would come from the sky that would tear the heavens and would come down and bring justice for the people of God. So for them, the kingdom of God would look like a certain way. For them, they, they thought it would look like the people's Messiah, someone who would come and provide social upliftment and give them food and resource and, and, and this re reality. There would be maybe the political Messiah who would come and bring significance to them in a world where they had very quickly lost their significance and social standing. Or ultimately, maybe you'll be a powerful Messiah, someone who would bring military victory on their behalf. And all these ideas of what the Messiah would be, do and what the kingdom of God would look like is not just real for the early Jewish listeners. It's actually real for us here and now. If you look around the world these days, when people start to imagine what the kingdom of God is like, and depending on what news channel you follow, what social media feed you, channel, uh, you follow, 
you'll get an indication of what the world expects the Messiah will be like when the kingdom of God comes. It'll come in and fit in one of our sort of paradigms. But we don't want to go to our social media feeds. We want to go to the Word of God together because Jesus comes and he starts to describe what the kingdom of God is like through a succession of parables. And that's what we're doing in this brief series throughout the month of July. We're looking at some of these parables, mainly out of the book of Matthew chapter 13. If you're wanting to reference it, Matthew 13 has seven parables that start off with each one after the other in quick succession saying the kingdom of God is like. And these seven parables are telling us in a sense what the kingdom of God is like now. In Jesus, as he came to it, what the kingdom of God looks like here and now. And then from Matthew chapter 19 through 25, there's a whole host of other parables which, which help us understand what the kingdom of God will be like when he comes again in glory. It's this reality that the kingdom of God, this incredible concept of the kingdom of God, we have to understand is this, this wild idea that when Jesus came to the earth and he died on the cross, the kingdom of God came in fullness. The kingdom of God came in Christ Jesus. It came, the kingdom had come. And yet, we also understand that one day Jesus will come back again, and the consummation of this this whole thing will will be wrapped up together as every knee will bow, as every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, as he comes back in glory, and when he comes back on that day, the kingdom of God will come in fullness. And it's this weird world that we live in right now called the in-between age, the church age, in between the cross of Jesus, which has declared his kingdom has come, and awaiting for the kingdom to come that we live in the here and now. And the best illustration of this, what could be a quite a confusing concept for me is uh, one in a historical understanding. And uh, some of you may be too young to remember this, <laughs> myself included. But in, on the 6th of June, 1944, was something called D-Day. You might have seen it in the movies, but it was a time, the the end of the World War, when the Allied forces finally invaded Normandy, and effectively they dealt a death blow to the Nazi war efforts. And it was in this moment, D-Day, when the Nazi regime was defeated. The Allied forces had brought victory for the world against Germany and, and Hitler and the Third Reich. But then for the next 11 months on the outskirts, there were skirmishes that were kept on going until the 8th of May, 1945, to what we called VE Day, Victory Day, when the full surrender was signed and victory was complete. Victory was won on D-Day, but it was only consummated on VE Day of a year later, when it was declared that it was finalized completely. And in a sense, that is what we are living in in this moment, because this is the, the good reality. Is in Re- Revelations 11 says, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God, and he shall reign forever and ever. As the old uh, preachers used to say, it, uh, better than I could ever, they would say, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. And it's this understanding that we are a people that live in this, in this weird duality of knowing that it is finished, and yet it is coming again. It's this reality that for you and I, a lot of our life can feel like Friday. Hospital visits. Terrifying headlines. Phone calls with bad news. Depression, fears, anxieties. But this is the great news I have for you this evening is take heart, we will overcome. So I want to read a scripture today to help us understand this a little bit deeper. In Matthew chapter 13, it'll be on the screen, verse 1 to 23. The first of the parables that Jesus tells in this, this succession of parables is found in verse 1. Let's read it together. It says this, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen! Jesus said, and let me pause there. I think a great reminder for us when Jesus says, listen, is just to remind our hearts that actually maybe we should stop asking God to speak 
and just start listening. That one's for free. Take it, take it, leave it. Yeah. Listen, Jesus said, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell in shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell in fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. In a sense, simple. But Jesus carries on. The disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. So we see from the get-go, the kingdom of God is simple. It's quite plain. Farmer, this easy understanding. But it's also secretive in the sense, he said, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, and they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. And they've closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Before we read on, we find simple it's secretive, but also it's subversive in nature. The kingdom of God turns everything on its head. It is completely the opposite to what everyone had been expecting. The kingdom of God turns is, is the, to everything upside down. It is saying the outsiders are coming in. It's saying the weak are being made strong. It's saying the humble are being lifted up. It's saying the last shall be first. It says the least shall be the greatest. The kingdom of God is completely contrary to what we th would first expect. It's subversive in nature. But Jesus carries on and says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. I love this incredible reality, how it's this, this narrative, this scripture, it's, it's this question, what's it like, their Messiah? What will it look like when the kingdom of God comes? And this whole crowd gathers around, and I can imagine Jesus is about to open up and says, I want to teach you what the kingdom of God is like. And they are so excited. They've been waiting for centuries upon centuries. Prophecy has led up to this moment. The Messiah is here, and he's going to tell us what the kingdom of God is like. And they're like, gather around, and they're expecting the kingdom of God is going to be like an army. Like, like crusaders from heaven, vengeance from on high. They're waiting. They're going, the kingdom of God will be like Wakanda. It'll be like the Avengers against Thanos. It will come in some extravagant might against our enemies. And then Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like, drum roll, they all lean in. He says, 
a farmer, some soil, some seed. And you can almost feel the palpable like air out of the balloon just and disappointment in the crowd as they go, really? That's it? That's what we've been waiting for? But in this moment, Jesus is laying us in on a secret. He's saying that actually the kingdom of God is not primarily found in the political strongholds of our world. It's not primarily found or starts in the religious temples of our world. It's not starting in the elitist boardrooms. No, no, no. He says, no, the kingdom of God is not out there high in the sky, high in the sky, far away, one over the rainbow and far away. It's not out there. He says, the kingdom of God, it's in the dirt. It's in the dirt. And that is the title of my sermon this evening. It's in the dirt. So I want you to tell the person next to you, the title of my sermon, and tell him that the kingdom of God is like, and let's finish the sentence, it's in the dirt. Come on, tell the person next to you, give it a go. Let's pray very quickly. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you that you are here to minister to us by your word, by your spirit, by this incredible thing called community as we gather in faith together. I thank you, Father God, that you would do what you set out to do. I thank you, God, that you would raise up, you would, you would tear down, you would strengthen, you would encourage, you would build up, and you'll call us to the more by your word. I thank you, Father God, with scales fall from our eyes. I pray that deaf ears would be open so we could know in, in, in more earnest fashion what your kingdom is like. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, we also thank you for the Springboks yesterday and that win. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So they gather around. They're wanting to know what is happening here. They're saying, are you going to take on the Romans? Are you going to tell us about how the the tax collectors and those scum are going to be dealt with? What are you going to do with the sinners? What are you going to bring in the political, financial, religious sector? Jesus, tell us. Jesus says, it's in the dirt. And he starts to tell them. And what I want to help us understand from the get-go this evening, he teaches them a kingdom principle. And something that I want us to understand, and in this day and age, I think that is under attack more than ever, we need to understand this kingdom principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. You see, we live in a world where our economy and our lives are dictated by buying and selling. That's how we live. If I can sell something for, if I can buy something and then sell it for more than I bought it, I'm ahead in the game. We live in a world of hustling and maneuvering. We're living in the world of arguing and posturing and make sure that you get on the right side of the argument, right side of the, of the, the, the social media algorithm and discussion. And try, like, how, how do I get ahead in this world? And it's quite exhausting. But this amazing thing that Jesus comes and he starts to teach them something so irrevocably different to what they would have understood what the kingdom of God would have been like. And it reminds us, and somebody I need to remind my fickle heart again and again, maybe someone here needs to hear this, that our security and our future is not tied up in the economies and the philosophies of this world. Let me remind you and remind myself that our future and our, uh, our security is not tied up to Ukraine and Russia. My future and my security is not dictated to by the effects of COVID-19. It's not affected to or determined by the petrol prices, by ESCOM, by job shortages. No, 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 that actually his kingdom is not of this world. And that my future is tied to what he is doing. So I want to tell us about this understanding of sowing. Jesus starts off by saying the kingdom of God is like a farmer who sows some seed. Such, such a different paradigm for us in the here and now, but we have to understand this, that in Galatians 6, verse 7 to 10, but there's this one specific verse that says this, God will not be mocked. 
says, you will reap what you sow. Other translations say, you will harvest what you plant. And this is the incredible reality that God says, God will not be mocked. God will not be held a liar. God will not be held in contempt. God says, this is, an, this is a truth, that a principle from the kingdom of God that invades your earth, that you do not understand, an upside down thing that turns everything on its head, that what you sow, you will reap. And it's not based on our abilities, based on God will not be mocked. Based on his faithfulness that he is, he is determined towards the principle. And this is something I want to encourage us. Nothing fancy, nothing flashy, but this is the, the nuts and bolts of what the kingdom of God is like. And we need to remind our hearts to be a people who sow in the word. And we have to change our understanding that we are not called to be a people who just read the word as if it's some textbook that is lifeless. Or that's something that just, let me get some more information about God as if it's some glorified Wikipedia page. No, no, this is a living, breathing soil that says, actually, it's just called a seed that we call to sow into the Word. Let me tell you that uh, I love the Word of God, and I love it so much that my Bible is falling apart. And somebody famously said, if you want to know man's, if a man's life is falling apart, make sure that his, see, his Bible is falling apart. Then you know he's okay. If his, if his Bible is falling apart, his life is secure. Anyone want the Old Testament? I've got it here. But it's incredible as I, I look through my Bible and I see these, these writings and scribbles and highlights and I see some pages are dog-eared and some of them I can't even make out the end of the verse anymore because they've been stained with, with, uh, with water and with some kids' juice and also, to be honest, with tears. And, uh, and, and yet I'm so grateful for the years that I've plowed into the Word of God because I'm telling you, God says He will not be mocked. I'll reap what I sow. And I want to remind us as a people that actually our inheritance, the best investment we can make is not in stocks and properties or NFTs or even Bitcoin. Now, I'm not saying those things are wrong or bad, but I want to tell you if you want to invest in a kingdom principle, something that's higher than, than earthly returns, and that's causing you stress, anxiety, so into the Word of God. It never returns void. It never returns void. And I'm so grateful that I turned down things in, in my teenage years. I turned down moments and opportunities so I could spend time reading the Word, not with some cosmic karma that I'll get one day. No, but I just knew that if I invest in the Word of God, I'll reap a harvest. And I know I'm just only stumbling into that now, and I want to call us to be a people who are so into the Word, so into the Word, so into the Spirit. You know what? When we say yes to Him, and we say no to our flesh. It's not just some, again, some obstinate, like, I'm just saying no. It's not just some, like, self-flagellation. I've just got to say no. No, the Bible says what you're doing when you're saying yes to Jesus and you're saying no to your lusts, no to your desires. When you're saying no and saying your will be done, you are sowing. It's a kingdom principle. You are sowing into the Spirit. And he said he will not be mocked. You will reap. So this is amazing understand when you change our mindset. And I mean, when it's not me just battling, I'm just going to stay strong today. Or I've just got to say yes to this thing. No, but when you say, oh, actually, the kingdom of God is like a farmer. Today I'm just sowing some seed. And I'm saying yes to you, Jesus. Knowing that actually right now it not, might not give me temporary satisfaction or temporary relief. But actually I'm sowing seed knowing there's a great harvest coming. We start to translate that actually this is what God is doing in us. We be a people who sow in prayer. So in prayer, pray, pray, for, pray for your family, pray for your loved ones, pray for your business, pray for, for, you, for your future spouse if you're not married, pray for them. Maybe if you don't know them yet, don't be weird, don't have to name them, just uh, God you know. But I, I'm so grateful for praying parents. 
And maybe you're here today, I have an incredible mom and dad who are heroes in the faith, not because they're leaving me any great inheritance in this earth, but they have sown into spiritual things, and I know that I'm reaping an inheritance that's greater than what they could have ever put together in dollars and cents. Maybe you don't have praying parents here. Why don't you determine your heart that I'm going to become a praying parent for my, the next generation that's going to come, that actually they will reap an inheritance, they'll reap a harvest, because God will not be mocked. We'll reap what we sow. I tell you, I think when we get to heaven one day, we'll see that the economy of heaven was very different to the economy of earth. The world applauded strong, loud, verbose, upfront people, but I think in heaven we'll be surprised when actually the crowns and rewards will be going to those people who were praying faithfully, who chose not the limelight of this world, but said, actually, I will go, I'll, I'll find the secret place. And when everything else says, run away, everything else says, you find this, and yes, no, I'm just going to find God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to sow in prayer, sow in prayer. And actually, you'll be reaping in, in faith on this side of earth, but also in eternity. I think that's the economy of heaven. I want to say, the Bible says, sow in tears and you'll reap in joy. Can we be a people who sow into people? Sow into people. Uh, maybe you're here, but I, I've been in church a long time. And when I say sow into people, I mean be generous towards people with your time and generous towards people with your emotions and with your and, and, uh, uh, hospitality and kind to people. And uh, can I be honest? I feel like a lot of times that kindness has been abused, if I'm honest. And I've been a little bit disappointed. And, and I go, hey, I gave so many hours and that person has disappeared. Doesn't make sense. But here's the good news. God will not be mocked. You'll reap what you sow. If we're living in earthly economies, then that is a waste of time. That is a waste of resource. But actually, if I understand the kingdom principle of Jesus saying, listen in here, sowing and reaping, then I start to know there's a different dynamic, dynamic at play that I am sowing into something. God says, you will receive a reward. There will be an inheritance. There will be a harvest. Would we be a people who sow financially, sow in generosity? And, and I love the encouragement that actually, for me, it's a, a reality in my own heart that God has called me to be a people who sow financially into, the, into, what he, what he, into His kingdom. It's so easy to, to get so fearful and, and hold back of our finances because we actually, uh, I've got to keep my economy together. When God says, actually, will you trust me? as your provider. And when we give of our tithes and offerings, again, it's not just saying, hey, does it make sense with my monthlies? It's not, that's not the aspect we look at. We understand our giving through the lens of sowing and reaping. Why? Because it's not based on our obedience, based on God will not be mocked. What you sow, you will reap. And this is the encouragement that actually when we give financially, it's not about actually where's that money going to, it's actually God, God, I trust you. I'm trusting that as the seed is released, that there will become a harvest. Be a people who sow prophetically, whatever God has called us to, but actually pick up this mantle again. You see, every week when I, when I have the privilege to preach, whether it's a, a one of our congregations or here on a Sunday, most Saturday nights, I stay up late and go to bed later than my family to, to prepare the word, to, to pray, to, to seek God, and, and it's an incredible privilege. But I can tell you, all I'm actually doing every week, all that this is doing, is not some glorified TED talk. Actually, all I'm doing each week is I'm actually just sowing seed. All I'm doing on a Sunday when I come here to preach is I'm just like, hey, here's, here's some seed. And I'm just like, here's a little seed for you. It'll look good on your head, Bunty. There we go. These guys at the back, you get a little bit as well. Just some seed there. Dave, I feel you need some there. And a little bit for the back row. And that's all I'm doing. I'm just sowing seed. Whoever's preaching up here each week, they're just sowing seed. And here's the incredible thing. I, I've had the amazing reality that that when I've, I've preached a sermon, I've had this one time where I preach it and people come up to me and they'll be weeping and they're going, as you preach, it felt like you were preaching just to me. 
everything you said was, how did you know this? Are you some kind of uh, Jonathan Edwards uh, uh, crossing over? You know, like one of those, like, how did you know everything in my life? I'm like, no, all I'm doing is I'm just sowing seed. And they're like, my life has changed. Uh, and, their, and their lives are changed radically. From one word preached, it's as if uh, God has spoken directly to them and their lives are changed. Same sermon. I've had people come up to me and go, yeah, seven out of ten, Gabe. Nice try. Same sermon. Same words. Why? Because actually my job is to sow seed, but my job is not to determine what goes on in your heart. And that's the reality, that actually my job is to sow seed, and I want to encourage us that we are people who sow into the Spirit, will reap in the Spirit. Sow into the flesh, you will reap in the flesh. And this is my encouragement to you today. Do you want the couch, or do you want the call of God? Because let me say categorically, you cannot have both. The couch and the call are opposed. Your comforts and the call of God are dramatically opposed. They never, never, never go together. And I, and I really, I, I preach this to my own heart because I think too many of us live in this dichotomy. We want the call of God. We want all the kingdom of God has, but we continually sow to the flesh and we wonder why we're not living in that realm. Because God will not be mocked. You'll reap what you sow. So I encourage us, stop living off last year's harvest. Stop living off last year's sowing. We actually, we're living on what we sowed years ago. Or what once, once we used to, I used to be excited. I used to do that. When actually, my, my challenge to us is how much seed are you sitting on? Because the seed doesn't work until it's in the dirt. Too many of us have got seed. Words from God, encouragement and abilities and things. We're holding on to it, trusting God. I'm trusting at your word. And he's like, sow the seed. Sow the seed. Put it in the soil. Trust me with it. And this is the reality that I want to encourage you and I, that actually the seed is supposed to be in the soil, not on the shelf. And maybe just for a few people here, and I just felt this prophetic for my own heart, sow against your own disappointment. Sometimes disappointment is the greatest uh, discourager against sowing because we've seen too much, we've been hurt too much, or we feel so frustrated, we haven't seen the results that we thought we'll see, so we back off. But here's the incredible thing, Isaiah 6 verse 13 says this, the prophetic promise says, so Israel's stump will become a holy seed. Israel's stump, where Israel had been laid low by, by the nation of Babylon, where they had been laid low, the prophetic word came through Isaiah saying, actually, but that stump will become a holy seed. And that was Jesus. He was talking about Jesus. He would come from that nation and bring, power, bring life and life forevermore. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a promise fulfilled is a tree of life. When you can't see the trees of God's promises, will you keep sowing seed? When you can't see the trees of what you've been trusting for, keep sowing seed. When you can't see the trees of what your relationship, what you imagine will look like, will you keep sowing seed? When, when you can't see the trees of breakthrough that you've been trusting for, keep sowing seed. Because God will not be mocked. I ask you, where's your future? Is it in a bank? Is it in an economy? Is it in a policy? Is it in a job? I want to suggest today that's in the dirt. The kingdom of God is in the dirt. We talk about sowing. Secondly and finally, we talk about reaping. You see in this narrative, Jesus tells us there's four types of soil. It'll appear on the screen behind me. But he says there's the hard soil, the shallow soil, the divided soil, and the good soil. The hard soil, Jesus tells us, is like the, one, the seed that was thrown on the footpath. And it was this hard soil. And says, as the seed was thrown out on the footpath, that birds came or the enemy came and snatched away that which was planted. 
that actually just the seed was sown, but in a moment it just wasn't able to take root because our hearts, our hearts are hard and unable to be soft and pliable to what God wants to say. Other soil is shallow. And, and, and Jesus likens that to rocky soil. Rocky, which is saying the seed is planted, it's received with joy at first, but because it's shallow, the roots can't take, they can't take root and it gets scorched by the sun. And thirdly, there's the divided soil. Soil that is full of uh, weeds and, it gets, and the seed gets strangled by thorns and the worries and the lures of wealth and is unable to grow into what, what needs to take place. And, and you know, this is an amazing thing. Maybe you've heard these sort of illustrations before. But I've often thought that when I read the, these passages that, that Jesus was describing four different types of people. That there was, there's the hard person. Oh. Then there's the, there's the shallow person. And then there's, then there's, you know, the divided person. And then there's the good person. And I was like, yeah, that's me, the good guy. And I, I realized, actually, I don't think there are four different types of people. I think that actually there's potential for us to be all of these at different times of the day. That actually, to be honest, I think I'm all four of those before 8 a.m. in the morning with our two toddlers. I'm just being honest with you. But this is the reality that actually, when uh, we've got a little boy, Benji, and he's three, and he's, the, he's, our, he's our family clown. He keeps us entertained. He's got uh, jokes galore, and he loves to entertain us. And if we, one of us starts laughing, he knows it's time to just, he doubles down on that thing, and so he laughs some more. And I don't know where he gets that from. I don't know. We're playing to the crowd. But obviously, I'm a millennial parent, and I want to get some of that footage for Instagram, you know, for the reels. People got to see how cool our family is. And, um, and as he starts to do his, his routine, his jokes, and I guess I sneak out my phone, and I start to film him. But if Benji sees me with the camera out, if he sees me filming him, he says this phrase. This phrase came out once he said this. He says, no photos, just listen. No photos, just listen, Dad. And his joy will turn to frustration in seconds because he doesn't want to perform for me. He wants me to engage with him. And as he says that, I think Benji's onto something really prophetic there. Because I think a lot of us, we engage with God through the filters of our sin, through the filters of our offense, through the filters of our bitterness, of our failure, our arrogance. But Jesus is saying in this parable, he says, he who has ears, will you listen? Listen. He's not putting up a pedigree of achievements before you can start sowing and reaping. He's not saying get to this type of level. He's building the kingdom of God right down from up here, down into the dirt where all of us are accessible and can reach it. And he says, just if he who has ears, will you hear? This is not some deep now, go look at your heart. Where is it hard? Where is it shallow? Where is it divided? He says, no, listen. Listen. With true repentance, with true softness of heart and Benji's words, no photos, just listen. Because he wants, God wants to have his hands in the dirt of our lives. You see, here simply tonight, I give us two jobs. Number one, keep sowing. Keep sowing. And secondly, keep your heart soft towards God and his people. That's it. This is Warfare 101. This is the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, if, and I come from a charismatic background, and I believe in deliverance. I believe in, in, the, in the spiritual power of, of breakthrough. I believe that. But I want to tell you. Before you, if you're saying, I, I need breakthrough in my life, before you start pleading the blood 10 times, before you start anointing with oil, before you start fasting for 40 days, here is Warfare 101. Sow and reap. That's Warfare 101. Sow seed, keep your heart soft. Sow seed, keep your heart soft. Because here's the King Jesus, the kingdom of God, it's in the dirt. It's in the dirt. So I ask you tonight, what is the condition of your heart? Is it hard? Is it shallow? Is it divided? And if it is hard, 
if it is shallow, if it is divided, and you're saying, I have not been listening to what God is saying, make that a big deal. Don't just move on from here. Don't just go, yeah, that's me, cool. Yeah, that's me. No, no, no. This is the kingdom of God, the ability to receive the seed that God is sowing and to bring a harvest. And if you cannot do that, you're missing out on the kingdom of God. It's a big deal. Sowing and reaping. But let me remind us that in this incredible narrative of sowing and reaping, we can't make anything grow. You see, as I read this narrative many times, I always mistakenly thought that Jesus in his explanation said, I am the farmer, speaking of himself, that God was the farmer, that we were the soil and he would sow the seed. He doesn't say that anywhere in the scripture. And actually in, in the Mark's iteration of the same parable, he says, the farmer does not know how the seed works. That doesn't sound like God. Not once in this parable does he say that God is the farmer. Can I tell you in this narrative, I've, as I've read it again, that actually I think we are the farmers who call to sow seed. That I think we are the soil who's supposed to receive the seed. That actually who is Jesus? He is the seed. He is the seed. The Bible says that Jesus and his word is the seed because this is incredible. We are not the source. We are not the substance. You see, the parables are not small stories about us, how we can make our lives better. They're big stories about Jesus because Jesus is the kingdom of God. You see, this sowing and reaping is not some, don't make it what it's not. It's not some cosmic karma of what you've given, you'll get out. He's not some jukebox in the sky. No, no, it's a principle, but it's a principle based on a person. Isaiah 55, verse 10 to 11 says this, The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it'll prosper everywhere I send it. You see, this is the kingdom of God. If you want to know, this is not just something that leaps out of the page in Matthew 13. This has always been God's design. Page one, Genesis one, we find God, heaven invading earth, not in power, not in thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening. Heaven invades earth, where? In the dirt. As God fashions humanity, Adam and Eve, out of the dirt, the soil of the earth, it's in the dirt. He fashions and breeds his life, his seed, his, his being into us, into the dirt, and he forms something beautiful out of the dirt. And actually the pinnacle of that of creation was Adam being birthed. And then Jesus comes as the second Adam. And our greatest moment of failure as a people is when we take the nature of, you, of God and we condemn it to the dirt. And we pull Jesus into the dirt, but he has the incredible reality. As Jesus is crucified then buried, in that moment God takes what man meant for evil and he turns it for good. In that moment, we realize that actually wasn't the doing of our hands that put Jesus on the cross. That's always God's design, always God's DNA. That actually, I want to suggest to you tonight that Jesus wasn't just buried. He was sown. He was sown as a seed with expectation of resurrection life, expectation of a harvest. You see, John 12 verse 24 says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, if it is sown into the ground, it produces many seeds. Tonight, I want to tell you my whole thesis to remind us, it may feel like Friday, but Sunday is coming. The harvest is coming because we are people of the kingdom. The health might go, the pain might come, disaster might strike, the, the phone might not ring, the, the job interview might go quiet, but I want to tell you the word will accomplish what it has been sent out to do. The word will accomplish what it has been sent out to do. So tonight, I want to say maybe you're here tonight and I'm preaching and 
and there's encouragement in your heart at some level, but also maybe there's a, at a deeper level, there's this agony inside. And you say, because in reality, close inspection of my own heart, my life is in the dirt. Maybe you're like, my life feels like dirt. My life feels like it's, it's all chaos and crumbled around me. I want to tell you today that that's where the kingdom of God begins. It begins in the dirt. It's in the dirt. And let me remind you that what God has started, he will bring to completion. Because he is the one who ultimately holds true to that seed in our lives. Here's what I say. As Jesus comes to tell these parables, I can almost imagine the people coming expectantly to Jesus saying, when he says, the kingdom of God is like, they're wanting to say to him, have you come to overthrow Rome? And Jesus in a moment just shakes his head and says, no, I've come to overthrow hell. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a farmer. It's like some seed. It's like some soil. The kingdom of God's in the dirt. And we are people who get to pick that up. Why don't we stand to our feet? Tonight, I want to invite us, as I have invited my own heart recently, to step into the mysteries of the kingdom. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the, the right ideas. But I do have a king who invites me in my state of being, whether I feel like uh, my life is in the dirt or whether I'm on the high point or the low point, to step into the kingdom with him. And tonight, my prayer for us is a simple prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth in our dirt as it is in heaven. So why don't you lift your hands with me? We're gonna pray this prayer of confession of our faith. We're gonna pray this prayer of, of trust. We're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna declare this reality, this most, most simple of prayers, and yet most subversive of prayers, that turns everything upside down, that turns our trust away from buying and selling, maneuvering and hustling, from posturing and arguing, to saying, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step into sowing and reaping. Because I trust your character. You are faithful even when I'm faithless. Because you cannot deny yourself that you will not be mocked. Because God is not a liar. He is not a man that he should lie. That he is faithful to his word. And tonight we choose to sow into your word. To sow into your kingdom. To sow into your principles. To sow into your ways. God, we turn away from the filter of our sin. We turn away from the filter of our brokenness. The filter of our arrogance. The filter of our depression. The filter of our experience. And we say, no photos, just listen and we say, your kingdom come. Why don't you pray that with me? Say, your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth, in my dirt, as it is in heaven. And I thank you, Father God, as we pray that out tonight, as we confess that with our mouths, I thank you, Father God. I pray, would the mystery of the kingdom take deep root in our hearts like never before. I thank you, Father God, you tonight give us this gift the kingdom of God is like a farmer who sowed some seeds to good soil. And I thank you, Father, we, like that farmer, choose to pick up the principle of sowing and reaping, knowing that you are always faithful to the seed you've sown. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What an amazing word. We hope you enjoyed that sermon. If you would like to find out more about Life Changes Church, why don't you go into our website or you can follow us on our social media. Have an amazing, amazing week.